Well, I think, Lord willing, what I'm going to try and do is give the last foundational type message about wisdom, and then we may try and do some topical messages through Proverbs, Lord willing, trying to rope a couple other people to help me in on this, so um, we'll see. Let's just start by reviewing. If you want to turn to Proverbs chapter, end of chapter 3 and chapter 4 is really where we're going to camp out. But we'll just start by giving you a quiz here. Anybody remember what the, this is quite a while ago now, I think it's like almost a month ago. Two months ago. Two months ago, so quite a while ago. Anybody remember the greatest danger to wisdom, what we talked about? Not listening. So we, we reviewed how over and over the author of Proverbs, and that actually changes throughout the book, but continually says, listen, listen, hear my son. Uh, don't turn away. And he's exhorting us to listen. And if we can't listen, then we can't have wisdom. And one verse from chapter 4, 4 7, the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom. If you can't listen, you can't get wisdom. If you don't realize you need some help from the outside and you're asking for wisdom from the outside, you'll never get wisdom. We have to be able to listen. And if we can't listen, we can't gain wisdom. We need something outside of ourselves, a word from outside. And then, does anybody remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago? One of the other foundations of one of one of the other foundations of wisdom was the beginning of wisdom was what the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. That's right. Now this is <laughs> this is a. Extra credit if you get this one. Does anybody remember the chart we had on wisdom? The four dimensions of wisdom. At the top was what? Wisdom towards towards God. And then the bottom of the chart, wisdom towards towards man. At the let's see, now I gotta get my left and my right straight. The right of the chart. Anybody remember the right of the chart? Material or practical. And then the left? Spiritual. Well, praise the Lord. That, um, that's great. So we talked about that wisdom is multifaceted. There's a lot of aspects to wisdom. You can't boil wisdom down in one short sentence. That's why we've got a whole book and actually multiple books. Wisdom is, is complicated. And there's a lot of aspects to it. But the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And if we have a fear of God, it'll go through all those other areas. It'll go, wisdom will trickle into our relationships. It'll trickle into our spiritual lives. It'll trickle into our material lives. Every area will be hit by wisdom, but it begins with the fear of God. So today, the title of this message is going to be, Turn Away From Evil and Do Good. Turn Away From Evil and Do Good. And the last foundational message that I'm planning to give on wisdom is that we have to see that righteousness, justice, equity, all these things, living righteously before God, avoiding evil, 
is a foundation that we have to have if we're going to be wise. So let's read together here, starting in three Proverbs 3.32. The devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you do, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom, and I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Let's pause right there. We'll read the rest of chapter 4 later, but we'll stop right there to just talk about the first point, which is that righteousness and goodness is wise. Doing what is good and avoiding evil is wise. Now, I'm kind of circling back around because at the very first message, if you remember, I tried to hammer home that wisdom does not equal morality. Just because you're trying to do the right thing doesn't mean you're doing the wise thing. That's still true. It's like saying marriage equals commitment. Well, you can't have a good marriage without commitment, but if you only think that all marriage is is just commitment, you're going to miss things, right? You can't have one without the other, but you can't simplify it to such an extent that you think you have the real thing if you've got this one piece. So, I'll give you an example here. You can have a manward morality. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me step back. Let me step back and... I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Let's go back and talk about what wisdom is. Wisdom is seeing how the world works and living accordingly, is what I, the definition I've been using. And I actually took that from Tim Keller. And wisdom is seeing how the world actually works and then living accordingly. So we talked about the fear of the Lord, right? If, if you don't see that there really is a God who's in control and that he's above you and you don't live accordingly, you're being a fool. There's material things. If you don't see that having the ox pull the plow, even though you have to clean the stables, is worth it, you're a fool, right? It's obvious, how the world works is the ox multiplies the work you can do. That's just purely material. But what we're seeing is we're observing how God made the world, how it actually is, and then trying to live in line with that, not live against it. I'll give you a more simple example. 
If you throw a rock off a cliff, it's going to fall every time. That's how God made the world. And if you try and deny that and say that's not how the world really is and jump off the cliff and believe you're going to fly, it's not going to work. It's foolish. But morality, right and wrong, is woven into the world. And in the same way, if you say, this isn't real, I can live how I want, I know God said this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, just as surely as you're going to sink uh, through the air if you jump off a cliff, you're going to fall if you, if you deny God's moral law. There's, it's just as clear and just as true and holds true just as faithfully as the physical laws around us. I'll give you an example. Another example from a child. If a child touches a stove and they get burned, they realize how the world works is hot things burn. And they try to live accordingly. I am not going to touch the stove anymore. They've seen how the world works and they're trying to live accordingly. That rule is just as true for, for right and wrong as it is for physical things. I'll give you a verse from Proverbs. It says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will be unpunished. If you believe that, this is talking about lust and, and sexual sin. If you believe that lust is not going to burn you and you keep walking into it, you're a fool. It's just as real, just as certain, just as harmful, maybe more. It, actually, it is more harmful because it's, it's going right into your heart. So we can't say and understand wisdom if we don't understand right and wrong. It's foundational. As we go through Proverbs, we can't understand, we can't be wise if we're denying righteousness and goodness and that this is how God made the world. So let me go back to where I was. We started with listening because you have to listen if you're going to learn wisdom. We started with the fear of God because that actually comes before morality. The fear of God is more foundational than right and wrong. Why? You could be a moral fool. The proverb says one way a person is a fool is they're simple. And it says the simple will believe anything in Proverbs 14:15. So you could be a moral fool. So you think, wow, this is the right thing to do. I've looked around and I've decided the right thing to do is X. And then all your friends say, brother, I know you're trying to do the right thing, but think about this and this and this. And you say, no, no, no. I've, I'm trying to do the right thing. I, I can't go wrong. And then what happens? It does. Because you weren't listening. You could be, you could be a moral fool in a different way. You could be a moral fool that is totally outward. You do all the right things on the outside and in your heart you're full, you're full of dead men's bones. You're outwardly moral but you don't have the fear of God. What? The almighty God sees your heart just as real as he sees everything else in the world. 
And if you don't have start with a fear of God, you could turn into an outwardly moral fool. There's a kind of practical morality that I hear a lot today. Things like honesty is the best policy. It's morality. They realize morality is wise. If I am a business owner and somebody comes into my shop and I cheat them every time, nobody's going to come in. And so they teach. Honesty is the best policy. means what? Morality is purely practical. If you're honest, it will go well for you. If you're dishonest, it will go poorly for you. That's not sufficient. That's not sufficient. Morality is not the means to some end. Why we have morality is because we're standing under a holy God. So we have to start with a fear of God, and then we can move on to morality. There's, there's an outward morality. There's a practical morality. There's a manward morality. Think about, there's people that are, that are talking about moral issues. You hear this a lot in politics. Things like, it's only wrong if it hurts another. It's a, quote, victimless sin. That's not true. If you do drugs and nobody's around, it is wrong, period, and it does harm you. It's not victimless. You're the victim, one, but your family and the others around you, they're, they're also going to be hurt by it. You can't have a man-centered morality. You have to start with God or it's going to be insufficient. The last one I could think of, an example of a moral fool, would be that has selfish morality. This is sad. Sometimes I tell stories that are so sad, it's kind of, the things are so shocking, you almost want to laugh, but you don't want to laugh because it's so sad. So I'm warning you, don't laugh because this is actually really sad. I talked to a guy on campus who was saying basically there is no morality. You know, that's all whatever you feel is right. And I said, he was really upset with me. And I said, well, you know, you're upset with me. I can tell that you don't want, you know, want me to be saying things to you. Why not just kill me? And he said, that would cause me psychological distress. And what he's saying is his view of morality is totally selfish. If I do something wrong, it'll make me feel guilty. So I'm not going to do that thing. If I steal this money from my boss... Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's, there's nothing, quote, wrong with it other than I'll feel guilty about it. So to preserve myself, preserve my emotional well-being, I'm not going to do things that are wrong. That's not sufficient. That's a fool. There's a selfish morality that's not living in the fear of God. And so we have to start with the fear of God, not morality. We start with God, and that's where we get our morality. That's where we get right and wrong is from God. And that's where we get our motive for right and wrong is because of God. It's not selfish. It's not primarily man-centered. It's not primarily practical, though it is all those things. It is true. All those things have truth in them. Is sin going to hurt you? Yes. It's not, is it practical to sin? No. Is there a benefit to outward morality? Absolutely. There is. But is it sufficient? Is it ultimate? No. You know, that, that reminds me just something to say. Think about Mormons, okay? Mormons are, in general, the, a lot of the Mormons I've met are very outwardly moral. They seem outwardly to have stable families more than 
you know, the normal Americans, American family. Why? There is some benefit to purely outward morality. There is. We shouldn't say that Mormonism is totally defunct. There's no power in it at all. That's not true. They are taking part of God's truth, part, part of it. They're not taking the most important part, but they're taking part of it, and they're actually using it, and it's actually helping them. We don't want to dismiss it. We don't want to be, get to the place where we dismiss all morality that's purely outward as worthless. It's not true. I've heard people talk about Sunday school lessons, and probably like you, I grew up where almost all the Sunday school lessons were totally outward morality focused. So don't lie, don't steal. And it's all these outward things, and we never really got to the heart. And I've heard people talk about how that's worthless. Well, it's not worthless. It's not worthless. You're not hitting the most important thing, but we shouldn't say that's worthless. Because it's not. But we, all, we want to go beyond that, don't we? We want to go beyond outward morality, practical morality, selfish morality, to a God-fearing righteousness that's from the heart. So our first point, and it's the main point of the sermon, is that doing right and turning away from evil is wise. Let's look at some of these verses here at the end of 3 that we just read. End of chapter 3, 32 and 33. The devious person is an abomination of the Lord, but the upright are his confidence. So in your mind, have two columns here, righteousness and unrighteousness. What happens if, if we live righteous lives? We have God's approval. Unrighteous, God's disgust, God's hatred. It's an abomination to him. Verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the house of the righteous. Curse for unrighteousness, blessing for righteousness. 34, to the, towards the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. Righteousness, God's favor. Unrighteousness, God's scorn. 35, the wise will inherit honor, but the fool gets disgrace. Honor for righteousness, disgrace for unrighteousness. Proverbs 12, 3. I'm just going to read that to you. You can turn if you want. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. So for righteousness, stability. Unrighteousness, instability. You see that righteousness, living a righteous life before God, is wise. It brings stability. It brings God's favor, God's blessing, God's approval. These are all good things. Nobody wants instability in their life. Nobody wants disgrace, God's hatred, God's scorn, a curse. Nobody wants that. These are good things. And if we want to be wise, we have to have it set in your mind, a stake that cannot be moved is, I'm going to do the right thing before God. If you don't have that set in your mind, uh, you're not going to be able to live a wise life. It's just not going to be an option for you. 
that wisdom, we're talking about wisdom. If you want wisdom, you want guidance, you want help from God in your life, you have got to have, Mason and I were talking about this yesterday, there are some stakes in the ground that have to go down deep so that when things start shaking around you, that stake is down so deep, it's not going to move. No matter what else, circumstances, anything else in your life changes, you know it is right always to, to, do, to do the right thing, to not lie. It is never right for me to lash out verbally at someone. It is never right for me to hate someone. It is never right for me uh, to be violent towards someone. It is always right for me to love someone. It is always right for me to try and help others. You've got to have this set deep to where it's not movable. People can't shake it. Somebody can't tell you a scenario where, well, what about this and this and this and get you all confused and to thinking, oh, there's not an absolute right and wrong. It's not true. We've got to have it in set now. Not only that there is a right and wrong, but I am going to do it no matter what it costs me, no matter what the circumstances are surrounding it. I am going to honor God and do the right thing and avoid evil. This is intensely practical in your life. This week, there are going to be things, 100% certain, there are going to be things where you're alone and you have an opportunity to sin or not to sin. And from the purely human perspective, nobody will know. But God will know. And you will know. Is it even an option in your mind? Do you even entertain the thought, maybe I'm going to, maybe I will sin? We don't want to be there. We want to have it set. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to lie. Even if it costs me time, effort, money, convenience, no matter what, I'm going to do the right thing. Let's read a couple more verses from Proverbs 4 here. Let's start where we stopped. Verse 11. Now you see here, it's obvious that as the psalmist, as the person who wrote Proverbs is talking, they are talking about wisdom and then they're putting in these other words that clearly mean righteous and good. That's because it is good. It is wise to do good. So look at verse 11. I have taught the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Uprightness is the wise way. Verse 12. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them with your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. 
Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You see the two pieces here repeated over and over and over. Do good, avoid evil. Do good, avoid evil. Go this way, don't go this way. And this morning I'm not really going to talk too much about specifics because I want to set a foundational truth which is that it's wise to do good and turn away from evil. And it's foolish to choose the path of evil. Now wisdom is not just something that God gives in the moment. It's something that God does. He works it in us. And this is a pattern of life. All these things are talking about not you get to this big decision and suddenly you ask God for wisdom and he gives you a word. That can happen. But God has set up the book of Proverbs and life in such a way that you're walking the path of wisdom every single day in all your little decisions and God is working it in your heart as you go along. There's a certain type of person that becomes wise. There's a lifestyle that it's... I'm not going to give you a trick today of the prayer to pray when you get in a difficult situation and God's going to give you instant insight. That's not how it works. You have to be on the right path to get the light. You have to not choose the path of darkness to get clarity. If you want God to give you light in those big decisions, you need to walk in the light you have today or you're not going to get the light. God's going to point you backwards and he's going to say, you need to take a few steps back and go back to what you already know and live in that and then I'll uh, give you more clarity. We're talking today in general about a pattern of life, a path. It's talking about you're on a path. You're on a path of life. And so here's the deal. Today, wisdom is not something you take a pill. It's a path. And you either today are on the path where you're growing more and more wise or you're on the path where you're walking in more and more darkness. That's what these verses are saying. And one of the big things is to do good and to avoid evil. So let's start with, I'll give you the rest of my points for the sermon. If you want a path forward, clarity where you are, and guidance on the way, you have to choose to do good and to turn away from evil. You're setting a path for your life. Let's look at the verses where I get that from. Verse Chapter 4, 18 and 19. Let's look at those verses again. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. God is promising a lot to us if we'll do something simple which is put the stake in the ground and say, I'm going to honor God, I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to avoid evil no matter what, no matter who's around. If you want a path forward, you have got to have this set in your mind, in your will, in your heart. You know, the proverb says, thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. But, look at what it says about the righteous. 
that we'll run and our step and we won't stumble, God will open up a path for us. In general, wisdom is a lifelong thing, and here's what you need. You need God, not only to guide you in the way, but to open up a way, right? If you made all the perfect decisions in your life and all the doors kept on closing, would that help? No. There's a providence also. It's not, you're not in complete control of your life. Your perfect decisions can't give you just what you want. They can't make the, a life that is fully um, where you want it to be in terms of honoring God, in terms of your kids. Can you make all the perfect decisions, be the perfect parent, and your kids be exactly how you want them to be? No. You can't. You could be the wisest parent in the world, and it, it's not guaranteed. There's, we need help from God, don't we? We need a path forward. And so the two choices are, if we choose righteousness, God gave us a promise. And what did he say? He'll give us a way. He said, we'll run and there won't be obstacles in our way. On the other hand, if we choose to sin, we choose evil, he said there's going to be thorns in our way. God's going to not only not protect us, but he's going to hinder us on our walk of sin. Does that make sense to you? We've got these two paths here. The path of righteousness, the path of sin. And the path of righteousness is uncompromising. It's not, I'm going to be righteous in 99 out of the 100 areas, but this one secret sin, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do what I want there. No, it's, I'm going to do what God says every time. Or you're going to give in to sin. Now, if God is good, is He going to help you on the road of sin? No. He will, if he's good, put thorns in your way. He's going to hinder you. That's right and good. If your kid, if your child came to you and said, Hey, Dad, I'm going out with those friends you don't like any, again, and you forbid me to go, you know, go out with, and I know you think they're bad news, and I know they've been trying to pressure me to do all these things that I shouldn't be doing. Can I borrow 40 bucks in the car? What would you do? You would say, No, of course not. That's what God does to us. When we're walking in the path of sin, God's not going to make your way easy. He's not going to be doing you any favors. Why? Because He loves you. It would be wrong. It would be... It would be a curse to you for Him to open up the way and let you go as fast and as far as you want. So first, if you want a path forward, you want God to open doors in your life and help you and give you a path forward, you've got to choose righteousness. Otherwise, He's going to be closing doors. He's going to be doing the opposite. He's going to be putting barriers in your way. Not only that, if you want clarity where you are, you want to see. You want to see with clarity. Where should I go? What decision should I make here? You've got to have this stake in the ground. I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to avoid evil. That's what it says here. Look at this. Contrast in 4.18 and 19. He says the righteous, their path is more and more light. The wicked, their path is darkness. They don't know over what they stumble. If you want to see, if you want to know, you've got to walk in the light you already have. There's two paths before you, right? There's the path of light, righteousness. God's going to give you more light. 
you already know that it is right to honor God, to do what he says, and it's wrong to run into sin. You know that. And if you sin against that light and you cover your eyes, well, I'm not sure that's right. I'm not sure that it's that clear. And you start walking into sin, God's not going to give you more light until you walk in the light you already have. Let me give you a, a verse here. A little. Why don't you turn here with me? This hopefully will help. Ezekiel 14. Ezekiel 14, we're going to read the first eight verses. Then certain of the elders came to me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, These men have taken idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore, speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Any one of the house of Israel who takes idols into his heart and sets a stumbling block of iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him, as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Repent, and turn away from your idols, and turn away from your faces all your abominations. So here's what happens. Ezekiel, here he is, and elders of Israel are coming for guidance. What does God want us to do in this situation? And you know what God says? Should I give them counsel if they have idols in their heart? Should I give them guidance and clarity? Should I make their path forward clear if they're not listening to me in terms of the sin in their own life? He says, no. I'm only going to give one word to people who come to me for help and for guidance and for clarity, who are walking in sin, who have this idol in their heart, who love maybe men more than they love God the approval of men more than they love God. Maybe it was lust. Maybe it was greed. Maybe it was pride. Who knows what it was? He doesn't say, but he said there was an idol in their heart. There was something in their heart that they put above God. And they may, maybe they would do the righteous thing 99 out of 100 times, but when it came to money or when it came to this or that, that idol was on the throne. And they thought, uh, I'm going I'm to follow that. And God says, I'm only going to give you one word if you come to me, repent. So here's the deal. If you want guidance, if you want wisdom from God, and you've got sin in your life, guess what God's going to do when you come to him? He's going to put his finger right on that sin, and he's going to say, deal with this first. Look back here. Look at the path you've chosen. You need to turn around, and you need to take 20 or 30 steps back, and you need to make the right decision when it comes to this sin then I'll lead you forward. But you can't go forward until you go back and repent, which is what repent means, right? Turn around in the, uh, in the Old Testament. It means to turn around. And that's what God's going to tell us to do. We want, if we want guidance in the big decision in our life, if we want guidance with our kids, if we want guidance in any area, we want clarity, we want to see, God, give me wisdom, help me to see the situation rightly, then we've got to do what's good and hate evil, and not let any sin, not compromise on anything, because God is going to
put his finger right on that, and he's going to say, do what you know is right already, and then I'll help you with these other things. You want clarity. We've got to walk in the light we already have. And then, like I said, I've already said this, dealt with this, guidance. Guidance. In terms of seeing things clearly, in terms of knowing which way to go, we've got to have God. We've got to have God on our side. I'm going to read you a verse here from Proverbs. Chapter 3. The gain from her wisdom is better than the gain from silver, and her profits better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is is valuable to us. We won't be able to have it if we are letting sin in our life. So let me ask you this. Is there anything in your life that you are doing that you know you shouldn't be doing? Is there anything, is there anything in your life that you are doing and you know you shouldn't be doing it? Whether that's in private, whether that's attitude in your heart, whether it's thoughts in your mind. Is it something in your marriage, something in your home life? I'm not asking you to dig around in your heart. Okay, I'm just asking you, is your conscience clean? You know, Charles one time gave me a really good illustration. It's If you walk into a home and everything's clean in the home and somebody says, oh, your home looks so nice, you don't say to them, oh, yeah, but look at this and pull out your garbage can and dump it all over the table. Look at, oh, look at that piece of garbage. It's so smelly. We don't want to do that with our heart either. If you're walking with God, you're trying to choose righteousness, and you uh, are avoiding sin, you don't have to go digging around in your heart. Well, last week I did have to confess uh, a thought that popped into my mind while I was walking down the street. No, you don't need to dig around like that. God, it'll be on the surface of your heart. If there's this sin that you're walking in, you'll know it instantly. There's There's a... Instance I remember at school I used I don't do recess duty anymore because uh, I work with the older students but when I worked with the younger students this is a really good illustration of this idea of you don't have to go digging around in your heart for things that you do you shouldn't be doing or that you are doing that you shouldn't be doing they're right on the they're right on the tip of your tongue they're right on the surface of your heart when somebody brings it up you know he's talking about this and God's going to put his finger on it there was a little girl who was looked around to see if anyone was watching, and then there's this kind of a slide type thing where they grab on, and they it's kind of like a zip line, but it's not uh, it's solid. It's made of steel, and there's rollers. But basically, the kids like to throw their coats over it and like hold onto their coats. But it's actually kind of dangerous uh, because you could get caught up, or you could uh, just it's easy to get hurt that way. And so she looked around to see if anybody was watching. She didn't see me. She throw, throws it over. She grabs her coat and starts, you know, running to slide on this thing. And she knows it's against the rules, obviously. So I go over to her and I said, she's a little third grader, so maybe like nine years old. Anybody nine in here? 
Got any nine-year-olds? Nobody wants to raise their hand, so. There we go, a couple nine-year-olds. So, I mean, they're not adults. They're, they're little kids, and I said to her, now, did you know that was wrong? And she put her head down, tender heart, and was like, yes. And I said, do you do things often that you know are wrong? And she said, this came out of nowhere. She said, I yell at my mom. And it was like, I, was, I wasn't even thinking about anything. I was just thinking about a general lesson to teach her. But it was, on, it was on the surface of her heart. She knew immediately. I was not talking to her about home life. We were standing out, you know, at the recess, um, you know, play equipment. And she, it came out all of a sudden. She knew immediately. I, I do stuff at home that I know I shouldn't be doing. I didn't have to ask her any questions really about it. She knew it. And that's how it is in our hearts. God will impress it on us. It's on the surface. You don't have to go digging around. In fact, I'd encourage you, don't go digging around. You might make more of a mess of it than, than you would just let God do it. Like David said, Lord, you search my heart. See if there be any way in me, wicked way in me. So I'm not asking you to do some sort of deep, splunking mission into your heart to see if there's any secret sin. I'm talking about things you know. If there is, you need to repent. You need to repent. If there's a guy going out to steal something and he kneels down to pray and he says, God, I can't find the address that I was looking for, God is not going to answer that prayer. And if there's something in our lives that we're, we're on the path of sin and we kneel down, God, help me. What job should I get? Where should I go to college? You know what God's going to do? He's going to put his finger right on that sin. And he says, you know what? Why don't we deal with this first? And you know, let's take it the other way. What's the, what's the aim of a Christian? You know, Paul says the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 that he doesn't know anything against himself. He says, I don't know of any sin that right now that I'm walking in that I shouldn't be walking in. Or I don't know anything that I should be doing that I'm not doing. And he says, but God knows the heart. I won't be, I'm not even going to judge myself. There may be sin. God knows it. That's our aim, isn't it, as Christians? To walk in the light we have. To not be doing anything we know we shouldn't. And to be doing all the things we know we should. For some of you, maybe it's not something you are doing. Maybe it's something you're not doing. Maybe you know you should be reading your Bible and you, you don't take time or something else. I don't know. But the clean conscience is our aim. And as we walk in the light that we have, we can have great confidence that God's going to help us. Great confidence that God will give us clarity. If we're on this path of righteousness, we're going to do what's right and avoid what's evil no matter what, no matter what the situation is. There's going to be a lot of decisions that come up where, the, where everything or many things that are options before you are right and good and you'll need clarity. But we can be confident if we're on that path, the path of righteousness, God will help us. That's what he said here. He said he's not, we're going to run and not stumble. He's not going to put a stumbling block before us. He's going to help us avoid these things. He's going to actively go out of His way to make our path broad and flat so that we don't fall. God's going to help us. 
That's an encouragement. God's going to give us clarity. That's what he promised here. He said the way of the righteous shines brighter and brighter like the noonday sun until the full day. God is going to give you clarity. If you're walking in righteousness, you're not trying to go into sin, you're, you're trying to avoid it, you can have confidence. If God doesn't give you a special word, this or that, you can have confidence. God's not trying to trip me up here. God wants to lead me. And I can make a decision and trust Him. I can ask for guidance. Sometimes He will give me special guidance, but sometimes He won't. But God is for me. He's going to help me. That's great news, isn't it? There are many situations where we get fearful and we shouldn't. We can trust God. We can trust that He's with us. If we walk in the light, we can expect more light. You know, there's many things in your life and in my life where we're trying to do the right thing and we don't. Right? Remember the story I told you about the, an example from my life? I met those guys begging at Hy-Vee and I really wanted to help them. I wanted to do the right thing, but I didn't have the insight or the wisdom to walk away when I realized they were driving a car that cost at least ten times what mine costs. <laughs> and it looked like they were probably just on vacation. I didn't have the insight, but you know what? God helped me. God helped me to learn from it. It wasn't a sin, what I did. It wasn't wise, but God taught me and he's preparing me. And there's so many things where I have a conversation with someone and I say the wrong thing and God shows me. And then two, three days later, a week later, the exact same situation comes up. And it would have been much worse if I had said the wrong thing here. And God had prepared me. He, he knew I wasn't trying to sin against so-and-so. He knew I was trying to help those people at Hy-Vee. And yet, he's, he's, he's taking the obstacles out of my way. He's teaching me. He's giving me more light and more clarity. And we can trust. This is, a, this is a confidence for you when you make the wrong decision, right? That God is helping you. He's leading you, guiding you. We can expect help, we can expect protection, we can expect blessing, we can expect guidance, we can expect light when we're on the path of righteousness. That's good news. I was thinking about the sermon last night, and uh, I said, Jess read over it to try and make sure <laughs> everything was clear, which I don't know if that helped or not. Not because she wasn't helped, but just because I'm kind of scatterbrained. But it just helped me to think, you know what? Maybe I give a bad sermon. And maybe I learn something. God knows I'm not trying to lead you in the wrong direction. Right? He knows that. And I can grow. And I can be different. And I'm trying to be. But God's not going to put a stumbling block in front of me, a situation where I can't do the right thing. He's not going to put me in this impossible situation and say, gotcha. He's going to help me. And that's what I want. For you. You know, we're going to talk about this next time, Lord willing, but about openness and um, truthfulness and things like that. But if there's anything in your life where you just need to talk to somebody, the elders, the deacons, maybe it's your parents, if you're a kid, please feel free. You know, we want to help you. If there's something you're struggling with,
And, or maybe something you're not even sure. Well, I'm, my conscience troubles me about this. I'm not 100% sure what I should do here. I want you to ask. Ask somebody. Ask, ask your parents. Ask one of the deacons. Ask one of the elders. We want to help. Let's pray together. Lord, we just come to you and we just give this time up to you today. Lord, the time we come together to try and honor you. We, Lord, we're children. We are making decisions all the time and wanting to honor you. And we need growth. We need light. We need clarity. Lord, help us. I pray you'd help every person here that in their mind they know they have an area of sin. They want it to be different. I pray you'd help them mightily. Lord, I pray you give kids courage to go to their parents and just tell them, hey, I want you to know this or that. Lord, I pray you give parents wisdom as they do uh, help their kids. I pray you'd give us, Lord, great confidence in you that you know what's best and that you're not trying to trip us up. Give us light, Lord, more light. Give us clarity, Lord. Remove obstacles in our way. We want to do what honors you and we need we need your constant help and so we come to you Lord and I pray if there's anything I said that wasn't from you or it was just my thoughts Lord I pray people would just forget it if there was anything true and good I pray you'd help people remember it would you please help the time that we have together to meet, to meet and to talk and to eat would you bless it for spiritual good and encouragement. We just ask all these things in your name. Amen.